I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're up and running again. So smooth. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonder Golf, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. Joining me in just a moment will be Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. And together, the three of us will take you on a handicapping adventure through European soccer. Uh, seven Premier League matches this week. We'll talk some Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, Ligue 1. Give out our three-leg Moneyline underdog parlay. And then our favorite bets for the Premier League this week. And at the end, you can hear another chat with former U.S. men's national team player Eric Winalda. It's been a another interesting few days in the U.S. MNT camp. Uh, so we'll get his thoughts on all that. But before we get started, a reminder that Wonder Goal is presented to you by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey, Colorado, and Ohio. Bet $1 on any game and get 200 back. No questions asked. All right, we'll start on Saturday afternoon, a 1.30 p.m. kickoff Eastern time between two of the best teams in the world. Chelsea, minus 220, hosting Everton, 7-1. Uh, the draw here is plus 3.30. Since Sean Deitch took over at Goodison Park, Everton, three wins, a draw, and three losses, five goals scored, uh, 10 allowed. It's just a hilarious split. Uh, but their XG numbers are pretty good compared to where they were uh, before Deitch came in. They're around just under 50% in terms of the sh- the XG share. 10.6 expected goals created and 11.4 against. Uh, we've talked a lot about Chelsea's incoming alleged offensive regression. I think we all believe in it. Uh, but I think that this number on Everton is, is, is too long considering that they've just been a different team under Deitch and they've raised their floor so much that they have a decent chance of turning this match into a bit of a, a rock fight, a slugfest. And I think that they would fancy themselves in that kind of environment. Also, very little for Chelsea to play for in the Premier League too. So this is the kind of situation I think that Deitch is known for taking advantage of. BJ, uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I don't mind to play on Everton, honestly, in this match. I think that Chelsea, listen... I, I agree with you. I, I believe in their offensive regression. I believe in Graham Potter. I believe in the trajectory that Chelsea is going on. But this is something that we've kind of talked about through this run where Chelsea's going up against certain types of teams that I think they can take advantage of. If you look through their matches and you look through teams essentially where they've had to face 
a low block and break that down. You look at the match against West Ham, where they just created a little over one expected goal and drew that one, one, they go to Tottenham and they put in just a horrible offensive performance and couldn't get the ball into the final third. And then even a match, you know, even further back than that, you know, they faced Nottingham Forest and only created less than one expected goal against them. So now you're going against an Everton team that, I mean, the low block hasn't been as good as we saw in the very first match against Arsenal. Like there's been more space in the middle of the pitch and some teams have exploited that. And I mean, Chelsea can definitely do that, but I don't know. I, I still am like very wary of this Chelsea team. It's funny how regression works, right? Because they beat Leicester three, one Leicester creates over two expected goals. And everybody's like, Oh my gosh, Chelsea got lucky. Well, that was coming for Chelsea for a very long time. They were very due to get lucky in something like that. So uh, again, you know, Everton away from home has not been good this season. They still only scored six goals, uh, which is not good, or excuse me, seven goals. And, but I do think the low block can be effective here against Chelsea because yes, they are due for offensive regression, but if you're looking how Chelsea's getting these goals, it's basically just all like Enzo Fernandez long balls in up over the back, over the back line, which Everton's not going to play some type of very high line for the Chelsea to be able to do that. So I have major concerns about Chelsea's ability to break down Everton's low block. And I only project Chelsea around minus 150. So I actually do like Everton plus one, uh, plus 120. I think Deitch goes and gets a draw here at Stanford Bridge. Uh, Anthony, what do you got? Yeah, I like the over. Uh, I, two and a half is plus money. I project this just over two goal, two and a half goals. Uh, so anything plus money is good with me on said over. I would actually make this closer to minus 110. I think that I agree with you guys that, uh, you know, Chelsea has improved. They've been playing better. You know, they score three against Leicester. They were able to get out uh, and get in behind a little bit more. And I think Everton, when you look at their numbers under Dice, you know, you talked about the ultimate end result, which was that they haven't really scored many goals, but they've produced 1.4 expected goals per 90 since Dice became the manager. And it's been a much more high event approach and style. It hasn't necessarily been like the traditional low block. They've been pushing more numbers forward and been more aggressive uh, than like compared to his Burnley teams, where I think some of that is Dice recognizing he has more talent with this team than he ever did with that Burnley team and that they're able to play a little bit more expansive. They don't just have to completely shut it down. Uh, And as a result, you're seeing more chances created. Now, they have not finished anything for the last 630 minutes since Dice became the manager. Their their goals per match are under one. But like I said, the chances have been there. And I think that eventually the goals will come for this team. And so I, I think this is a good overspot here. Chelsea continues to be, uh, you know, due for more f- positive finishing regression. It's been a really rough, you know, couple of months. And I actually think Everton has some advantages here. Everton's fifth in set-piece attack. Chelsea's 13th defensively and XG per set-piece allowed. So, like, you can see some weakness in the Chelsea set-piece defense, and you even saw that against Leicester, where the Foxes nearly scored off of one. Uh, Everton's fourth-worst defense, though, by XGA since Dice took over. So they haven't really improved defensively. They've just produced more, and that's what's gotten, you know, to what Michael said about them being right around or slightly worse than an average team. It's been the attack that's improved, and since the World Cup, Chelsea's averaged about two and a half expected goals combined. That's four and against in matches, but they've only had only about 1.6 goals per match. So I think this is a little bit short. I mean, think back to early in the season, this total would not have been sitting at two and a half over plus money. Uh, and I think that you're getting a good chance to to buy low on both attacks, really, and bet the over. Yeah, I think also it's a, it's a game that if Everton falls behind, I would back them live to to get something out of this one, too. Dominique Calvert-Lewin has been upgraded to uh, questionable. Well, yeah, I think that Damari Gray has been really – he's been good in that role, like since 
Deitch's side just to they need an aerial they need an aerial threat to play Deitch's style like like to be really really effective. So Dominic Calvert-Lewin is obviously huge for them to be able well, to play. They got Tarkowski. They got Michael Keane. These are I mean they do. But like, I'm talking, I was talking about players. set pieces. I was talking I about long balls up the pitch, winning those <laughs> no, aerial no. goals. Well, it's funny how yeah, he did he did kind of you know switch his 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 kind of tone a little bit with with how they were trying to get forward with Gray, whereas instead of having someone hold the ball up, he's just having him run onto it. It's working, and then so you have Gray for 60 minutes playing that role and then Calvert Lewin hopefully off the bench but or both of them up top in a 442 and then that's the dream Michael. Yeah. yeah. Then then we're lookout champions. Then, then we're cooking. Yeah. Uh Friday, 4 p.m. start. A little Friday night lights. Uh Nottingham Forest hosting Newcastle. Forest plus 450 at home. Uh the Magpies minus 150. The draw is plus 260. I've got nothing here, BJ. I see you've got nothing here. Anthony, this one's all you. Yeah, Newcastle got a deserved home win uh, against Wolves. The attack, uh, you know, finally finished some chances and and uh, kind of overwhelmed Wolves in the end. I just think it's a much more difficult task going on the road in this spot. I think the number is not quite there yet for me to play it. I would want closer to a flat one to bet them uh, at home. You know, we've talked on this show repeatedly about the home and away splits for Nottingham Forest. Newcastle has some pretty significant splits the other way, but there's only two teams in the league that have more drastic splits uh, home and away. Number two is Everton. Number one, Nottingham Forest. They've actually been an average team with a positive goal differential uh, and more wins than losses at the city ground. It's been away from home that they've really seen their aggregate you know, numbers fall off a cliff. And so Newcastle on the opposite end of that spectrum hasn't been uh, nearly as good at home. They've been about an average team away from home with um, – with uh, a lot of draws, you know, they've been struggling to put teams away, away from home. And I think that's a, a potential landmine here for them in a, in a tough road spot. But again, I want the one to feel good about it. I still don't trust this forest defense uh, nearly enough to back them just at plus a half plus one, you know, 15 ish. I would want the, you know, I'd even lay a little bit of juice up to like minus minus one twenty five thirty to get that goal uh, because we've seen Newcastle has been grinding out a lot of close results lately. Let's flip it to Saturday. Back to Saturday, that Everton Chelsea game, as I said, it's one thirty. Uh, let's go morning kickoff. Villa minus one forty three against Bournemouth, four to one. The draw is plus two eighty. I think Bournemouth is unbelievable. Slowly, awesome. I knew it was going to be a stupid weekend when we had we all <laughs> Why had didn't both we bet the, them to uh, score instead of the we had both teams, teams to score. score and they score in like the seventeenth minute and so someone on the podcast said, "Why would you go with just you know the team total over when you can bet?" Both teams we, to score because we knew Liverpool was going to get on the board. Yeah, we well, were Mo Salah this. had a penalty. It was we a are. horrible weekend of variance for me, and that was we, just the kickoff. Seven thirty a.m. first match of the day. Terrible. I was watching, I was watching on my iPad in bed, and I was fist pumping, you know. And then, yeah, Liverpool just didn't score. And you watch, Anthony's going to be dead right. We are recording this before they play Real Madrid, so you know I might be wrong about this. But Liverpool will score like five goals against Real Madrid, and then. We'll yeah. and we can even, we can apply one of them to, if, if they do that i think i'm going to catch a 16 to 1 ticket so i will not yeah. be too upset but i they probably have not this will not be out until after the the, uh, the match so yeah maybe i'll look like an idiot again with liverpool okay. but but bournemouth i think is slowly becoming uh, a team of this podcast uh, a little bit nah yeah no and i say the, I the run say, is over i'm done with them now. no this is a great spot i don't see it I, what what does Villa what does Villa do that makes them all that much different from Forest? Right, I mean from Bournemouth right now. Yeah, I mean so they, like they, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Anthony. 
Get your. Well, so these are the two worst defenses. These are these are the two worst defenses in the Premier League. Okay. Uh, since since uh, the, in the last Cup. eight matches. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you know the Villa defense has really really struggled. Uh, I think now at home where I actually think the Bournemouth and I agree with BJ that the the Bournemouth team total has actually gotten two juice now based on what yeah. I have it at. I think the market is now recorrected again back to what we think it should be, and um. You know, this is a decent get right spot for a Villa defense against a really bad. It's still a bad attack. I mean, it's not a good attack. I'm not going to sit here and like pretend that they're good now because they scored a couple goals. No, they're not good. But uh, uh, that's I mean, not the question. The question is, should they be this long against, uh, like you said, the second worst defense since the World Cup? And yeah. you can even you could. I think that some models have Everton kind of in, sandwiched in between them, but I think you throw them out because of the improvement under Deitch. So it's really these two, and. One team has nothing to play for. They're just like the only team in the Premier League that's kind of got nothing either to play, to aspire to, or to to fend off in terms of relegation fight. And the other team has everything to play for. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I like the number four to one. Uh, it, this is, is it not, not their a, biggest win. They just had their biggest win of the season too, though. That's the other thing. It's mm-hmm. now yeah. they go on the road to Villa. So what do you think yeah. that they're going to have like a, a letdown spot in a in a relegation? Well, I, I just don't. Is... I don't think that Bournemouth is better than Villa. I think they're considerably still worse. And yeah, they are. Like the number, the number has them right about where I would have it. So I'm just like not that interested here. I think it's this is this was the long. easiest pass on the board for me. Although I did it, the first thing I did was like, okay, what's Bournemouth's you know team total number? I did like? too, and uh, it wasn't quite good enough. So it's minus one ninety. There's no way I'm going to lay minus one ninety for Bournemouth to score. I mean, here's the thing: is like Bournemouth has created at least one expected goal. I mean, depending by the model you look at at Liverpool, it was it was pretty close to one. I mean, we're going on seven matches in a row now where they've at least created one expected goal. And what they are so good at, and you know, it's something that we were mulling and complaining about before the World Cup, is they get these one or two just like really good counterattacks, huge opportunities, and they're finishing them based on what they create. So they're like, they're getting, they're not necessarily getting lucky like they were in the, before the World Cup when they were putting four past Everton off of, you know, 0.8 expected goals. Um, I agree with Anthony. I mean, I think this is a pretty easy pass. I agree with you, Michael. There is some value on Bournemouth. Like I project Aston Villa at minus 115. The one thing about Villa is, and I've said this before, is like where they struggle is Unai Emery wants to play out of the back. He wants to, you know, build up against these uh, teams that are not going to, you know, control much possession against them. And they run into trouble when teams are able to press them, force high turnovers, and get them going in transition. But Bournemouth's not really that team. They're basically sitting in a you know some version of a four-five-one, uh, and then looking you know looking to get forward and attack from their own final third, not in the opponent's final third. So I think this is you know a little value in Bournemouth, but also just kind of a pretty easy pass and move on to other matches. Uh, we could talk about Brentford then uh, coming off. They're playing in the midweek. We're recording before mm. that, and then uh, they lost over the weekend. At Goodison Park uh, to the mighty, mighty Toffees. Uh, that was but, that was a Sean Dyche like wet dream win right there. That was the beautiful way. stuff. It, the, the only thing it was minute. missing, the only thing it was missing was like howling, howling winds. Right there, um, maybe some, maybe some, maybe some rain. Yeah, the weather. I mean, the weather is bad. Just the wind wasn't. Yeah, as, it wasn't as windy as he would have liked. Brentford uh, minus one ten hosting Leicester. Uh, the Foxes plus two seventy five. The Draws plus two sixty. This looks like a Brentford spot, um, matchup wise, the number wise. Leicester's terrible. Uh, Anthony, I'll be on the bees. What about you? Yeah, I will be too. I think uh, this is kind of not that different from what we just saw with Fulham. Uh, Leicester 
you know, doesn't quite have the same level of regression coming. They're kind of just where sitting where Fulham should be. And they're kind of comparable to Fulham for me at this point, on a true talent and like power rating perspective. Uh, and I have Brentford closer to minus 130 here. I am surprised by this number. I think there are teams that can cause problems for Brentford when Brentford is a favorite. Fulham and Leicester are like not those kind of teams uh, because they just play a style that leaves them open at the back more so than like a traditional uh, defensive team who's going to let you have the ball and dare you to beat them with it. That's not really what Fulham and Leicester do. And so I think this kind of profile similarly to that matchup. There is a rest advantage. Brentford goes on the road to Southampton. Uh, on Wednesday before, you know, we'll know the result of that. Either way, uh, I still think plus 100 is short, and I will never hesitate to play against Leicester. Uh, they concede a ton of big scoring chances. They stink on set pieces, uh, and Brentford, ha- you know, creates the big chances and, and wins this one at home where they're much better. Yeah, it does It does feel a lot like that that Fulham match uh, from a couple weeks ago. And and you, you brought up a good point about, like, how much styles matter with teams, I think, like like Brentford. We saw it in that Everton match that they they were. I don't think they were bad at all. Um, yeah, Everton gets yeah, that fun. early goal, and then the two teams kind of played out to a to a coin flip from there. Um, but this this Leicester team is like made for for Brentford. I think just made for yeah, them. Brent, Brentford came out flat early. I thought they were pretty bad the first 20, 25 minutes, and then they kind of kicked in the gear and showed why they're the better team. Uh, but they definitely were a little flat. But I don't expect that to happen at home. Uh, as nearly as frequently. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a much better spot. And it's also, it's just like a trickier thing to match to kind of wade into when you're playing that version of Everton versus a lesser city team that you just can't trust wants them with the ball. the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wants to give, wants to have the ball and then likes to give you the ball. Yeah, exactly. Uh, BJ, what are your thoughts? No, I, I think it's slam dog Brentford spot. And I think the, the matchup sets up perfectly for him because why Brentford is so good against, you know, the big six and teams that like to hold a lot of possession is they can sit back and they can direct counter you better than any really any better than any team in the Premier League. And Leicester is a very different style of team in the bottom half of the table where they're a top half team in the Premier League in terms of average possession. But if you take their average possession against non-big six sides, it's actually one of the highest in the Premier League outside of, I think, Brighton. Um and I mean, Brentford is just going to probably sit back in their three-five-two, and then just direct counterattack them through the middle of the pitch and just create chance after chance after chance. And Anthony mentioned it. Brentford, obviously, one of the most efficient set-piece teams in the Premier League, and Leicester is one of the worst uh, defending them. So Leicester's without Wout face. They're without Vestergaard, so they're thin defensively. I mean, this is a slam-dunk Brentford spot here. I mean, Brentford, I mentioned it last week, but against the bottom half of the table, and they still you know, created two expected goals against Everton, against the bottom half of the table, they have a plus 5.2 expected goal differential. And in their last five matches, they've created at least two expected goals in four of them and 9.3 overall. So this is still a really, really good offense. And obviously they are much better at the Brentford community stadium than they are away from home. So I think this is a fantastic Brentford spot. I agree with you guys. I have Brentford projected at minus 120. So Brentford, even money for me, uh, does have some value. Uh, When the Spurs go marching in, marching South Coast take on Southampton, Anthony. Your Spurs, your beloved Spurs, are minus one twenty-five on the road. Southampton's plus three fifty at home. Uh, the draw is plus two sixty. I, I, I've got nothing here. You two are, I think, are going to end up on on the same side, Anthony. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not betting this match, but I do show a little bit of value on Saints at home. Uh, I, I think. The market has more respect for this team than I thought it was going to have, and it seems to consistently have. 
but I even in their good performances, even in their good results, like it feels like they're teetering on the edge with defensively. And this is the kind of matchup we've talked about where Tottenham, if you're going to press them and, and give them opportunities, I think Spurs could exploit them in behind. They haven't been very good at doing that all year. So I don't even know how true that narrative is anymore. Like how that matchup necessarily benefits us. Like we have not been good in transition this season, but uh, I, I just worry about a team like Saints uh, in this spot. The number's almost there for me. It's it's close. Uh, and if it gets anywhere near, you know, plus three quarters, I'm in on the Saints. But uh, it's not quite there. Uh, Tottenham did have an, a solid bounce back home performance against Forest, similar to Southampton a little bit in that they were are willing to come out and play more than, you know, your traditional lower table team. But this is a, a stay away from me with a lean to the Saints just based on my numbers. BJ, what about you? Yeah, I do like Southampton this matchup. I mean, we do obviously we're recording this before the Brentford match, so I'm not really sure what happens there. I'll probably wait till after the Brentford match happens to whether I'm going to play that or not. But I mean, this is more of a question for Anthony. But what's the last performance from Tottenham away from home that like convinced you? Like, yes, that was a good performance. Because the last one, I mean, you know, the XG doesn't bear it out, but the 4-0 win against Crystal Palace. I mean, even that win, they weren't good for the first 50 minutes of that match. And then Kane puts the ball in the back of the net and eventually they, you know, went away from it. But if you look at it, I mean, the 1-0 loss to Wolves, yes, they won an XG, but they barely created over one. They went on the road to Milan and got pretty well dominated there. They went on the, they went on the road to Leicester, got beat 4-1. They went to Fulham, you know, they obviously got the early goal and they put in a great defensive performance after that, but actually bared it out where it was basically even. So I don't know, Anthony, I, I, I would struggled. say goals. I thought they played well in that match. Yeah. They didn't yeah, create yeah, a they ton. Played but... Well, but, but then you have to ask yourself, all right, am I really going to lay minus 125 on the road? No, absolutely with this not. team as we're going no on? No yeah. way. So that's where I think the value comes in here with, with Southampton, obviously a team that has been due for positive regression defensively for a really long time. Um, and, you know, they're set up, obviously, to to high press and play frenetic. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they they back off the press and they just get hand taught on the ball and say, hey, let's try to break us down in our 4-4-2. Uh, so, you know, I only project Southampton around plus 250. Um, so I'm trying, showing a lot of tremendous value here on Southampton. And Tottenham's going to be a very a very weird team to to handicap. Obviously, they're still, you know, right in the middle of a top four battle and they're still... One of the Somehow. favorites. Yeah, they're still one of the favorites. You know, if you look by all the books, they're basically it's basically a three-way uh tie between them, Newcastle, and Liverpool for that fourth spot. So this match obviously means a, a ton to them. Um, but you know, right before an international break, yeah, it's just a very weird spot with whole what's what what's going on with Conte. Obviously, he's probably not gonna be back next year. So just very weird stuff going on at Tottenham. So uh I like Southampton uh on the road here or at home here uh, at plus half a goal. All right, Tottenham two more goes to, to Everton after the break. There you go. Slam spot, Michael. That time. And then they host Brighton. Bear pit. Uh, two more to get to uh, in the Premier League. Wolves and Leeds. I feel like Wolves and Leeds play seven times already this season. They haven't. That's just how I feel. It's like so I, when I saw it, I was like, are these, these two teams playing again? Like They played on they, uh, this. These are opening the reverse fixtures of opening weekend. Yeah. I know. Reverse. Have they, did they play in the FA Cup? No. 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 It's okay. just in my head. It's just one of those things kind of like. Oh, they did. They played in the EFL Cup. Oh, there, oh, we, go. there we go. Maybe that's what it is. Um, uh, Wolves is plus 125 at home. Leeds plus 240. Traveling to the Molyneux. The draw is plus 220. Uh, I mean, every match when you're in a, a relegation battle is must win or huge, I guess you can say. This one feels really big uh, 
for Wolves. I, I mean, it's big, obviously, for both sides. But I think if Wolves can, can get three points here, you, you, you get that separation needed to go into uh, an international break with, with perhaps like a six-point gap between you and the drop zone, depending how other uh, results shake out. So uh, a huge contest here for, for Wolverhampton. It is a, a six-pointer. I would lean towards Leeds. I don't think the numbers there. I just don't trust this team. But uh, Anthony, you, you blindly bet them every week. So tell us why you're on the Peacocks this time. Yeah, it's like the ah shit, here we go again meme. Uh, I actually think this is a pretty low event match given the defensive profile for Leeds, kind of uh, pressing Wolves and not conceding a ton. If you go back to the first match, uh, Wolves created less than one expected goal in that match. So did Leeds. Uh, Leeds ultimately break through late to win that, turned it 2-1. I think their biggest problem for Leeds has been, I mean, we've talked about this, is they concede too many big chances when they overcommit or make a mistake, but Wolves don't create any of those. Like, that's the thing. Wolves aren't really an attack that's going to punish you when you give the ball away high. Like, Wolves are not forcing any high turnovers to begin with. They're 18th in high turnovers forced. They're dead last in big scoring chances created. They shoot a ton from outside the box. Uh, and I don't think that's great against this Leeds team where you have to punish them with that. You're not going to get a ton of shot volume against Leeds. Uh, and so I have the better field, field tilt team, the better expected threat, the better team overall. They're much, 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 much more trustworthy attack. And uh, Harrison and Bamford, both back and playing, I think is improvement for this uh, forward line uh, that has struggled. They just went toe-to-toe with Brighton, and it was a very even game. Uh, and I was impressed by them. They they conceded over one and a half expected goals. But they produced it themselves. Uh, and I think that they'll, they're the better team here. So I'm going to take the quarter goal on the Peacocks in this matchup. One thing that was impressive in that match is obviously Brighton – loves to bait you into pressing and Leeds didn't do that. They just honestly sat in a very compact defensive shape and they didn't buy into what Brighton wanted them to do. It wasn't the Jesse Marsh, oh, let's just fly high and press and whatever happens and let Brighton get in behind. No, it was actually a very good structured defensive performance. So if they can do something similar like that with Wolves, who obviously is one of the more dominant, like not dominant, but holds a ton of possession in their own half of the pitch. I mean, they have the second most touches in the Premier League in the, their own defensive third, it's it's troublesome how Wolves is actually going to break them down. So I do agree with Anthony. I might I might end up on Anthony's leads here by match time. How, how many times do you think you've bet leads this year, PJ? Two or three, maybe. Yeah, I feel like, I feel it's like... probably early on in the season would be my yeah. guess. Um, I was actually maybe looking at an over, over here, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. I don't think Wolves overs are back yet. They I'm going to count it right now on how many times I've bet leads this season. 17 the 19th place team in the league and uh, <laughs> we'll come back to it while i count you can talk about the next game real quick before we just gut reaction who i think this is interesting who the three teams you guys think are getting relegated right now if you had to pick bournemouth southampton leicester uh, yeah i'd probably go bournemouth southampton leicester yeah i think i have to go with those three as well you know what i'll go let me look at the table really quick Nottingham go, Forest is far. Yeah, far I was gonna from say safe. I'll go. I'll go Nottingham Forest, uh, Southampton, and Leicester. I think our our cherries survive. And then Everton. You just go based Everton on just folds. raw goal raw goal differential. Uh, Forest is still the joint worst in the league with Bournemouth. Uh, their XG numbers are not very good. Uh, they're sitting in 14th, but they're two points Pal- above Bournemouth. Palace is another one to look out for. I don't see I don't see it with Palace. I I just think we 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 there, talked about there's this. There's three points we're, we're, off. We're, we're we're about to talk about Palace. Yeah. So we can transition that into the next game. Arsenal host Palace. Big match for BJ. Yep. He likes Arsenal. I do. Why? Why do you like Arsenal? 
Oh, I feel very similar about this one to I felt about the Arsenal and Fulham match where, you know, Crystal Palace has been this very similar defense to Fulham where they play this low block and they're just not effective in playing it whatsoever. And Arsenal, you know, that was a horrible spot for them going into Sunday, coming off, coming off the match, traveling to Portugal, having to play sporting, coming back, playing a Fulham team at home. And they blitzed them right away, scored three goals in the first half, it was a very, very dominant performance. Now they're hosting sporting on Thursday. Robinson recording that before this match. Arsenal's probably going to win that for nothing. Um, and Arsenal has just been awesome against the bottom half of the table. Like Gabriel Jesus is coming back, so they're getting the best striker back. Arsenal since or Arsenal against the bottom half of the table has a plus twelve point eight expected goal differential at home. They're a plus one point two three expected goal differential per ninety minutes. And Palace, I mean, yes, they got Zaha back, but like they have no attackers outside of him. We're obviously recording this during the Palace Brighton match, um, but before this, and you know, so whatever happens there happens. But before that match, I mean, Palace hadn't had a shot on target in three matches. They've created under one expected goal combined in those three matches. So it's, it's, I think a slam dunk Arsenal spot here. They're still battling for the title. They're going to take this incredibly seriously. So I love Arsenal, especially getting Gabriel Jesus back to provide more attacking threat. I don't know how Palace is going to keep them out. Obviously, this is the repeat of the opening match of the entire Premier League season where we all loved Crystal Palace and we thought they were the best team in the Premier League. And they've just completely fallen off and they're just not that anymore. They're a horrible offense. I don't see them threatening Arsenal in transition. So I love my gunners minus one and a half at minus one twenty. So here's the thing. It is the eighth minute as we sit here and record this to great podcasting. Uh, yeah. Palace has ended the streak. They have put a shot on target. Oh, I thought you were going to say so, they're going to score. I was, they have not scored. They have not. They have not. I bet had a heart attack because I was. On, I'm on Brighton. They, they put so. a shot on target and then they put another shot just wide of the post. Oh my god! So they're thrashing. So one shot on target in four matches. My my. Yeah, so they're up to one now. Um, I I would bet both teams to score here or nothing. Uh, I think Arsenal's attack should should have its way and and look, the system is very impressive and oh, Jesus coming back too. J- yeah, J- Jesus. Uh, <laughs> You probably should have scored. Jesus yeah. um, definitely improves the attack, although I don't know how many minutes we'll get out of him in this match. But I think uh, you're you're getting the absolute floor on the Palace attack. I mean, everybody's talking about uh, the whole thing. Everybody I know who watches soccer has told me in the last three days that, hey, did you see that Palace haven't had a shot on goal in the last four <laughs> games? Like, it's insane. It's terrible. Don't get me wrong. But the market has kind of gone a little far here. And let me talk about the Palace schedule because it is insane. They have now played, after today, they'll have played Brighton, so after Wednesday, they'll play Arsenal. They will have played everybody in the league once, and then 11 teams, uh, excuse me, nine teams a second time. 28 matches, right? Mm-hmm. Of the nine teams they've played, all of them rank in the top 11 of my power ratings. They have played City twice, Arsenal, Newcastle, Liverpool, Brighton, Brentford, West Ham, Villa, who's 11th, barely. And that's insane when you think about the, the, the talent that they've faced. They've also faced United twice and Chelsea twice So and Liverpool twice. So everybody in the league that's good, they've played twice. They have not played any of the dregs of the league a second time yet. And I think it's kind of – I don't even know how to wait for this. We talked about this in the first half of the season, and the attack did get better just production-wise because they played worse teams the second half before the World Cup. So I think – uh, you're getting a little bit of a of a small bargain on both teams to score here, you know, plus 128, plus 130. Uh, and I will probably end up playing that. But I do want to, you know, get some more data on Brighton and, and see how that match plays out before I bet it. But, yeah, I, I think I'll be 
doing that. I do think Arsenal wins, though. Anthony, uh, you said on our last Premier League podcast, I believe, that you liked Man City, anything plus money, uh, to win the league. Uh, they're obviously not playing this weekend. Arsenal is. Arsenal wins against Palace, as, as the odds and you and BJ, and I expect them to do. Do you think that's the right time to kind of jump in? The numbers should lengthen a little bit. Like yeah, plus, I, I can't see it one, moving a ton. Yeah, it'd be like, like plus 125. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's still fine. I mean, the Arsenal tougher fixtures are coming after the break. They have Leeds, uh, who will score in that match. <laughs> after, the, after the break, I will be on. I'm, you I'm lead off at with? the, te- at the uh, teaser. That's you lead will, off with? Leeds team total over. I, dude, I mean, did you watch the reverse fixture? Leeds are going to be plus one and a half, plus two. That was and under Jesse probably, Marsh, the best manager in the world. I will, right, yes, of course. I'll probably be on Leeds in that match. But, I mean, I think the tougher fixtures are coming for Arsenal and City, of course. I mean, City... Uh, City, I don't even know who they were supposed to play this weekend that it got it was West Ham. Yeah, so they would have a great West Ham spot, too. I was looking forward to it. I guess I have to bet Burnley now and then the FA Cup against them. Yeah, well, Holland scored five on me when I had the under on, on Tuesday. So I'm oh, I, I had Leipzig. From, so yeah, I need, a, I need a break from City and unders, but uh, I think, I think, yeah, it's a you know, like if you, I'm not saying keep adding every week as Arsenal keeps winning, but uh, you know, oh, it's do a it. good time to place it's good time to place a wager on the citizens to win the league still. Plus money. Nothing's changed since last week, really. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, let's uh, let's talk about Bundesliga. We'll talk about Leipzig. Uh, the 100-1 to 1 tickets on Leipzig to win the Champions League. I still think they can win. Barely hanging on by a thread, <laughs> I would say. Glad, they just got to be reinstated. I'm feeling really happy that I didn't add that ticket to. I, I, uh, I still think they can win. They could still do it. They just need City um, to be kicked out for the financial fair play stuff. Yep. And th- that's fine. 100 yep. to 1. Um, all right. Uh, one of you had a play on Leipzig. I forget which one it was. You can that was me. Hand. That was BJ. That was what me. What do you got? I got Leipzig again. Minus one on the road against Bochum. Uh, oh, this, is, this is a great bounce back spot for them. I mean, Bochum, they, listen, they did get a win against Cologne last Friday. I was on Cologne. They got a penalty early on, and they created 0.7 expected goals from open play, and Cologne basically did nothing. So hats off to Bochum. But Bochum, when they have to play against the top six in the Bundesliga, it's gone Really, really bad. Eight matches against the top six. They have conceded 20.4 expected goals in the reverse fixture of this one. Leipzig won the match for nothing, created 3.9 expected goals. The outshot Bochum 15 to two and box entries were 23 to two. The strange part about Bochum is they're actually a good pressing team. Like they're second in the Bundesliga in passes per defensive action. They're eighth in high turnovers. But outside of Bayern Munich, RB Leipzig is the second best team in Germany at playing through pressure 
uh, which happened the last time they faced Bochum because Bochum tried to play a high line. They tried to press Leipzig a bunch once Leipzig got into their final third and they just absolutely picked him apart. So I like Leipzig minus one at minus one, seven on the road and a great bounce back spot after giving up seven at the Effie had on Tuesday. Um, I think there's, I have them projected their spread projected at minus 1.64. So minus one at minus one Oh seven is good enough for me. Anthony, your thoughts on, on the Bundesliga. Yeah. It's not a great prem slate, but there's some really juicy matches around the continent this weekend. And I'm going to touch on most of them. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen hosts Bayern Munich. Bayern, uh, rolled last weekend as they tend to do after conceding a first minute goal to Osberg had no problems. Uh, this is a similar spot to me from a couple weeks ago. Wolfsburg was plus one at home against Bayern. Uh, they won the match, but they didn't play particularly well. Leverkusen is trending up. The attack has taken a huge step forward in the last month with the return of Florian Wirtz, who already has four assists and 4.990s in the Bundesliga and also has been excellent in the Europa League. And I actually think Leverkusen, you know, we talked about them as a potential buy team. Uh, you know, we, excuse me, I talked about them as a buy team coming into the season. That was stupid. They regressed pretty hard. Okay. They, re- they regressed pretty hard from last season. They've now hit the bottom of the market here and are starting to come back up. They still, in my power ratings, are the fourth best team in Germany. They're sitting at ninth in the table, catching a goal at home with Verts back, DIB, Schick. Like, this is still a very good transitional team. And uh, I think Bayern's just a touch overvalued again. I have this closer to about 0.6 goals they should be favored by. So I'm going to take uh, a fade, fade them and uh, and take Leverkusen at home, catching the goal. Uh, La Liga time. Real Madrid is playing uh, Liverpool on Wednesday. I think I, w- I would go against them either, either way here uh, over the weekend. But, Anthony, what do you have? I am taking the over two and a half goals, and I would also look to play Barcelona. I show value on both Barca and the over. Look, this Barcelona defense, it's like remarkable how well they've run this season. Bilbao hits two posts on Sunday, and then I don't know what happened still. I was I was actually in our office at Action with uh, with a friend. We were watching it, Charlie DeSterco, friend of the pod, and we were celebrating. We were like, oh, it's a goal. We catch both teams to score. Bilbao, great finish, and Naki Williams. And I'm like, what could they have possibly varred? What could the possibly have been a handball? They had to go back like 90 yards down the pitch and two players jumped simultaneously. It, it nicked off the guy's arm. And then an hour later they scored and they had to var it off. So Barcelona um, giving up over one expected goal to Bilbao. Just, I think this plays out very differently from the Super Cup match. Barcelona didn't have Lewandowski for that match. They were very shorthanded in attack. They had a very clear plan to sit deep and absorb and, and not really come out at Real in the first leg. This is different at Barca in a league match. I expect it to be a little more open. The total's a little low given Real Madrid has major defensive problems and Barca's defense is just overvalued here. Uh, but I do think uh, I have Barca value on them. I think it should be minus money, not plus 105. Yeah. And I think that uh, the over. So I, I expect this to be a back and forth kind of game. And uh, Real Madrid needs the win. They can't really just take the point. I mean, they're, they're far enough behind now that they might as well go for it. Yeah, I, I like Barcelona. I think they're fine as like a, you know, parlay piece or round robin piece. Hey, Australian Football League is back this mm-hmm. this weekend as well. Starts Thursday night. Um, if you want to throw them in a in a parlay with like Geelong and and Richmond, I think Barcelona's mm-hmm. a good piece for that. Um, BJ, what are your thoughts here? La Liga, anything on El Clasico? Well, I have, I have two thoughts before I I get to any of the picks. First off, breaking news: if you're listening to this, you might want to sit down. Brighton has scored against Crystal Palace. Okay, I know that's breaking news to everybody listening to this podcast on Thursday. Next up, that VAR decision 
That's what bright. That's what Barcelona has been paying for all the time with those payments to the referees organization. Okay, Anthony. So you cannot complain about that. You get what you pay for. Thirdly, I actually agree with Anthony. I do like the over in El Clasico. I I project two point seven goals, so over two and a half, saying a plus money. I think is fantastic value. I agree with Anthony. If if Real Madrid can't just sit deep uh, and counter when they have to go for it, it leaves a lot of open space for Barcelona to get in behind them, and it should play out how all the matches really have played out throughout these uh, this year with both Real Madrid and Barcelona, which have both all been pretty high event. But my favorite pick in La Liga is going to be. Valencia plus one on the road against Atletico. I, I I know I'm betting against my guy Diego Simeone, which you know they got a late last gasp, last kick of the game winner against Girona on Monday. Our guy Alvaro Morata got the winner. Good, for, you know, always good to see him put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, but I think Atletico is getting a little overvalued here because of how underrated Valencia is. Like Valencia is in the relegation battle. Gennaro Gattuso has been relieved of his duties after their 1-0 loss to Valladolid about a month ago, but the performances as of late have improved. They lost 2-1 at home to Bilbao, but expected goals basically even. They beat Sociedad at home. Again, expected goals was about even. They lost 1-0 to Barcelona on the road, but they only allowed one expected goal from open play. And then this past weekend, it was their best performance of since you know coming out of the World Cup break where they beat Osuna 1-0 and beat them on expected goals 1.7 to 0.3. And I mean, they, this is a very underrated defense with Valencia. They're 10th in La Liga in non-penalty expected goals, but they're top four in final third entries allowed, box entries allowed. They're the number one team in Spain in defending crosses, which is always big against Diego Simeone teams. The only worry here is they're bad at defending set pieces, which could come back to bite them. But they are a very good pressing team as well. They're fourth in passes per defensive action, sixth in high turnover. So Atletico will not be able to just build out of the back and play through them. And Atletico, listen, they've been awesome offensively this season. But, I mean, defensively, they're seventh in non-penalty expected goals. I mean, they're allowing 0.96, but that's up from about 0.75 last year. So the defense has gotten progressively worse. They're 10th in big scoring chances allowed. And Valencia is top seven offense by basically any metric that you look at and have underperformed 26 goals of a 32 expected. So I only project that Letico at minus 124. So I like Valencia plus one at minus 130. All right. Uh, on to Syria A uh, now. Uh, BJ, one of the teams of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And you're on one of the managers of the podcast. One of the managers of the podcast band of only Spurs held on to this guy. Yeah. I mean, this is the most slam dunk spot of all time. Roma in the Rome Derby against Lazio. I mean, unless Lazio like scores something from distance or lucks their way into a penalty, I don't which know they how which they will, but like I don't know how they score against Roma. And I'm not gonna put too much stock into what Sassuolo did to Roma this past weekend. Great performance by Gam, an underrated team that put up a lot of, you know, a lot of expected goals and chances, which, you know, credit to you, Anthony. Good pick for that. But with that being said, I mean, Lazio, what they want to do is they want to play through the middle of the pitch. Milinkovic Savage is obviously a very good midfielder, and you know, all uh, Luis Felipe is also very good getting the ball through the middle of the pitch, but Outside of that, like they're dead last in Serie A and crosses completed in the penalty area. They're ninth in non-penalty expected goals. They're 16th in shots per 90. So basically it's all just built on creating these big scoring chances for Sierra Mobley, who was injured for this match. So now you're going to get to Roma defense that allows the fewest big scoring chances in Italy, that has the best final third to box entry conversion rate in all of Europe, is allowing 0.83 non-penalty expected goals in a neutral site match and they're and Lazio is going to have to start Philippe Anderson up top. That is a recipe for disaster. This line is sitting right at a pick'em, and it's basically saying that these two teams are absolutely neutral. 
That is absolutely not the case. Roma plus 18.8 expected goal differential. Lazio plus 5.5. And I mean, listen, people will tell you that, oh, well, Rome is com- Rome is coming off a, a Europa League match on Thursday, traveling to Spain. Well, Lazio has got to go to the Netherlands for a conference league match with Alkamar, who basically destroyed them in the previous meeting in Rome. So I love Jose Mourinho here. I mean, they have to battle for a top four spot. Like they are falling behind. And this is one of the matches that you need. You need to get all three points to overtake Lazio so we can cash some Roma top four tickets. So I, I love Jose Mourinho in this spot. I project them as around an even money favor on a neutral field against Lazio. So give me Roma all day, all day, every single day of the year against Lazio. Anthony. Yeah, I'll make it two for two. Uh, you know, when I said, you know, such a great slate around Europe, I mean, big match in Germany, a couple big matches in, in Italy, Classico in Spain, one of the other big matches in Italy, Inter hosting Juventus. And I think the total's a little too low here. Inter's defense, if you watch them in the two Champions League legs against uh, Porto, they, I don't, I still don't know how they kept a clean sheet. Andre Onana has certainly improved their shot stopping compared to Handanovic early in the season, which is something we talked about early. We're like, why is Inter conceding so many goals? Okay, well, they're conceding fewer goals now, but the defensive numbers have shown some cracks. And Juventus, with Di Maria now fully inserted in the lineup and Chiesa, you know, in and out, they have had more attacking firepower. We talked about this team uh, and how they couldn't create any chances and it was just Vlahovic and and really nothing else. And even though Vlahovic owns us as a show, Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, has more help now, and it makes this attack much better. And and so I, you have seen Juventus' attacking numbers tick up, but the defense is still a lockbox, and Inter's attack is still very capable of taking advantage of that. So this over two and a half is it plus money? I'm betting the over here as well. I know I'm betting a lot of overs this week. Weird, uh, but I like the over in this match. I think uh, this total is just too low between these uh, two Italian giants. And Ligue 1, BJ, you're the only one with the play in France, mm. and we're yeah. We're- we're looking we're, at a, uh, we're getting to the to portion score. of yeah. this yeah we're getting to the portion of every single season where it's like how much does psg care anymore but i like psg ren both teams to score at minus 140 the psg defense has been pretty vulnerable this season in league on if you Awful. look at how they've fared against some of the better offenses around france and there are seven matches against marseille Lille, lens and monaco which are essentially the top five offenses outside of psg PSG has allowed 12.8 expected goals in those seven matches. And even for the season, I mean, PSG is allowing 1.08 non-penalty expected goals in France. Like that's fifth best in the league. That's not good whatsoever. And it's somewhat of the same story that we talk about with them in the Champions League, where they're just not that great of a pressing team when your front line just will not provide much pressure. So they're, you know, they're fifth in passes per defensive action. They're eighth in final third entries allowed, eighth in progressive passes and dribbles around. Like those aren't dominant numbers for the number one team in the league. You won't see those from teams like Barcelona or Napoli. And with with that being said, I mean, PSG is still is going to be without Marquinhos. They're going to be without Kimpembe for this match. So you're leave, you're leaving yourself very vulnerable at the back as well. And Ren has perfectly capable attackers to attack PSG in wide areas. And Ren is a very good offense. I mean, they're averaging one and a half expect goals per 90. They're the second best team in France at playing through pressure. They're top five in box entries. They're the top five uh, most efficient set piece offense in France. Just a very, very well-rounded offense who actually has run pretty cold as of late. Last five matches, they've scored five goals and have created 8.1 expected. So, but you look at their defense, it has, I mean, it's the seventh best in France. If you look at some of their previous matches, they just allowed 2.6 to Nantes. They allowed 1.6 to Marseille. So it's not really that good of a defense. So this is also a revenge spot for PSG who lost on the road at Rennes in a, in a sleepy midweek spot. So 
Uh, I think they'll come out a little more motivated in this one. But again, their defense just really isn't that good. So I think this is a good spot to back some both teams to score now at minus 140. Both teams score yes. Yes, oh yes, yes. I keep. I'm yes, so addicted. I'm so addicted to both teams to score. No, that I had to say no. Yes, I love both teams to score. Yes, and they've been a money. They've been a money printer for PSG in the league. They, they have PSG has conceded and, and scored in every match except for the Marseille one in like the last yep. two months. Exactly, and Marseille still yeah. created like two expected goals in that one. Yeah. Uh, okay, on to our three like underdog parlay. Uh, this is an all Premier League one. Rarely Can't happens. Believe- Gladbach should have won. Yeah. One, they, they had a penalty to take the lead, got one no in the second half. They were the better team the first hour, missed the penalty, and then completely collapsed. Mm-hmm. Absolute train wreck, final 30 minutes. That's okay. It's okay because it we're, we're going to get it back on this one, uh, which is going to come out to 120 to 1. Um, so you'll know there'll be some prices in here. And Anthony, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'm going to go Leeds plus 255 on the road at Wolves. Uh, you know, I talked about this in the actual pick segment when we talked about it on the show. I think they're a better field tilt team. They're a better expected threat team. And the biggest weakness for Leeds has been that they've conceded a lot of big scoring chances this season. Well, now they face an attack that faces that creates no high turnovers. They're third to last there. Has the fewest big scoring chances created, the fewest shots in the opposition penalty area, and the longest average shot distance. So this is a Leeds uh, defense that I think has its vulnerabilities for sure. We've seen that this season but they will not be necessarily as exposed against an attack as anemic as Wolves uh, and Leeds have gotten Bamford and Harrison back. So the attack uh, has taken a step forward and we saw that against Brighton last weekend too, as well. Uh, yeah. You're not going to keep me up this one at Everton at seven to one on the road at Stanford bridge. They just look like a different team under Sean Deitch. I think that the numbers bear that out as well. 10.6 expected goals for 11.4 against their goal differential does look ugly, right? Minus five and five goals scored, 10 goals against in their seven games under the Scott. But I think all of us would agree that the eye test and the numbers back up that they've been better than that. Now they're taking on a, a Chelsea team that it's still finding itself under Potter. I think we all agree that they should start trending up, but they're four, four and four since the World Cup. 10 goals scored, nine against, and very little to play for uh, in, in this match. This should be a pretty physical match Everton under Deitch with their size and their kind of just dogginess will try to turn this into a rock fight. I think that they should be able to do it. They are now a pretty high floor team, which is not what they were eight for the last 18 months. So I like Deitch. I like Everton to be able to turn this one into a coin flip and provide some value at seven to one. BJ, what do you got? Southampton plus 340 at home against Tottenham. The performances for Tottenham away from home just really have not been impressive. Lost to Wolves, one nothing, only created 1.2 expected goals. And Milan in the world in the Champions League conceded in the seventh minute, proceeded to create just half an expected goal for the remainder of the match. Lost 4 1 at Leicester, beat Fulham, one nothing, despite creating less than one expected goal. So the performances for Tottenham have not gotten much better. So it's a good slam spot here for Southampton, who is under caretaker, under Ruben Salas for the rest of the season. He's been an assistant at Southampton for a really long time under Hassan Hoodle. So he's going to play some of the same principles, which could lead them pressing more, but they're also, he's also got a lot of familiarity with this team. So don't be surprised for Southampton to sit a little deeper, not press as much, allow Tottenham to have the ball and try to break them down, where Spurs just haven't really been that good from open play. They're very reliant on set pieces. And also it's the Southampton defense that is due for positive aggression defense. So I like Saints uh, in a good spot here at home. I project them at plus 250. So plus 340 uh, is a good value for me. Lead Southampton, Everton, like I said, 120 to 1 uh, in all Premier League parlay. On to our best bets in the Premier League this weekend. Like 
we've said international break coming after this one. So we'll try to send everybody off on a high note. BJ, what's your favorite bet? I like Brentford, even money at home against Leicester. This match sets up very, very well for Brentford coming off that loss at Everton where they created two expected goals. It's actually the fourth time in their last five matches that they've created over two expected goals and and total 9.3 in those five matches. And how Brentford likes to play is they're not this possession-based type team that really breaks down low blocks. They're very like to sit back in a 3-5-2 and counter, direct counter right through the middle of the pitch. That plays in really well against Leicester, who is a very possession-dominant team against lower half sides. So I do not be surprised if Brentford lets Leicester have the ball, lets them have possession, and then just plays right through them. Where Leicester is best is when they're playing teams that will press them high and where they can play through that. Because outside of the top six, they're the second best team in the Premier League at playing through pressure. Well, Brentford is near the bottom in passes per defensive action. They're not going to provide much resistance for Leicester getting into their final third. So Brentford's going to have a ton of chances getting in behind with those direct counterattacks up to Mbwemu and Tony. Plus, the Bees have been really, really good at the Brentford Community Stadium dating back all the way to last season. So I love Bees plus 100 at home against Leicester. I'm going to take Bournemouth. I'll take a shot on Bournemouth plus 400 as my favorite bet. The numbers kind of tell a story here. Uh, since the World Cup, Aston Villa is five wins, two draws, and four losses. But their expected goals against 20.9, expected goals for 13.8. They are a defensive mess since the World Cup began or World Cup ended. Bournemouth, their numbers, two wins, two draws, seven losses. Ugly. They are coming off of a big win against Liverpool, but when you look at the underlying numbers, they're not all that dissimilar from the team that they are playing this weekend, Aston Villa, 22 expected goals against, 19 goals allowed. Villa's at 17. They're playing crazy high event games, 34 goals uh, in the uh, 11 matches since the World Cup for Villa. I think Bournemouth is able to, to turn this one into a closer match than the odds suggest, just based on Villa's defensive form alone. So give me the cherries at four to one. Anthony, take us home. Chelsea, Everton, over two and a half goals at plus 110. Everton's attack has been much better since the uh, hiring of Sean Dyche. They're up to about 1.4 expected goals per 90, and I think that's been a major step forward. The finishing just has not been there for them. They have only scored five goals, but again, the goals will come if they continue to at this current process. So I expect a better attacking showing. But this is not a traditional, you know, Dice Burnley defense. I mean, they're conceding a ton of chances still. Uh, they've been the fourth worst defense since he got hired. So they haven't really taken much of a step forward there. Uh, they have a huge advantage in attacking set pieces against Chelsea, and Chelsea's attack continues to have more positive regression coming in the attack uh, as well. So I project this just over two and a half, and I'm happy to take two and a half at plus one ten over. All right, uh, stay tuned for our chat with Eric Winalda, where we'll talk some more soap opera stuff with the U.S. men's national team. Get his thoughts on uh, the European soccer landscape as we head towards an international break and down the stretch and maybe even talk a little Ted Lasso. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, uh, we are pleased to be joined once again by friend of the program, Eric Winalda. Eric, uh, we'll start with what's going on, uh, the, the latest chapter, I guess, in the soap opera, the Gio Reyna U.S. Men's National Team soap opera. He is uh, included in the squad for the uh, upcoming Nations League games in Granada or against Granada and El Salvador. But, I mean, I'll just turn it over to you. I guess my question is, like, how does this thing end in a spot where it's not a detriment to this team as the games get more important in, you know, over the next few years? Well, I mean, obviously, all the information coming out, all those text messages that we are now privy to. Um, it's a good thing they didn't see my text messages because uh, I, I didn't need to be on that on that hit list. But um, I think to answer your question, everyone is ready to move on. It, it is a scenario where um, and the, the investigation, as silly and frivolous as it, it, it might sound, that it was it, it needed to happen. Uh, just to, to to put it in the rearview mirror, I, I spoke to JT Batson about this, uh, CEO of U.S. Soccer. Um, you know, and basically, you know, with with the with the changes that they're going to make, um, the, the way they're going to restructure the federation, uh, all of this stuff just kind of coincides with with uh, a transition out away from Ernie Stewart, away from uh, the Brian McBride uh, position. Uh, they're still in the search for a sporting director. Um, this does allow his, uh, Greg Berhalter essentially to be eligible uh, to be a part of that list, if, if you will. I do not think that that will happen. I think it, too much has happened for uh, for him to be still a, a, a viable candidate. Um, but it, it, it's it's unfortunate. It's just it's almost like it, it's like uh, every U fourteen uh, you know, girls team in America. I mean, any coach that's ever been getting text messages from dad who doesn't like the way the kids playing. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of, it, it's kind of crazy, but our system guys perpetuates this kind of behavior. I was going to say, it seems a very American problem, American soccer it's, problem. It is an American. I remember problem. growing up playing and, and like being like, this is something that I dealt with like as a kid, as like an 11 year old and my parents right. explaining to me what's going on. And, but it's, it's look, think about it. All these parents out there and whoever's listening. And if you are a mom or a dad, you are not entitled to act like that just because you paid for it. And that's the problem. All of these parents pay for a service and then they don't like the service. It's almost like they complain to the coach, like he's the plumber and they didn't think it was a good job. They want their money back. It's, it's, it's a, it's something that is created uh, through our system, through our culture uh, that this kind of behavior uh, is at times uh, acceptable or at least so rampant that that it doesn't seem like when you're in the middle of it uh, that, that you're doing anything wrong. So I, I think the, I think the Reynas have, have, you know, in, in retrospect, they've looked at it and, and realized that their behavior was unacceptable and um, just dealing with the, just the disappointment of what the World Cup represented for Gio. Just didn't get to play uh, the way that they thought. And essentially there was a lot riding on that and you had uh, a lot of disappointment that ultimately 
turned into some uh, misbehaving people, which, which in my mind, you know, it's, as people say, it's unforgivable. We're human beings, man. We, 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 we all deal with disappointment in different ways. And I've seen a hell of a lot worse, just not at the highest, highest uh, level, but uh, I think we're through it. And I, I think the, the other part we have to, to say is, um, you know, Gio is a fantastic soccer player. Uh, I can't imagine what he's going through and some of the, some of the stuff that he has to put up with in social media and, or what, what the crowds are yelling at him. I mean, it, the only thing I said to a friend of mine the other day, I was like, I'd rather see him start. So he doesn't have to deal with the warm up. Because when he warms up, can you imagine what those people are saying to him? So it's um, it's great to see him back on the list. Uh, there's some some other players that that uh, I, that are on the the, the current list that uh, hopefully they get some minutes and the U.S. can just just get, get a game, get it under our belt, get it over with. Let's see how he handles it. Uh, I I think he'll be okay though. But it's it was a rough week for U.S. soccer. It was just a reminder of how crazy things got uh, over the winter. Is there anyone specifically you're looking forward to seeing? I know that the level of competition is not necessarily high, but uh, are there any players that got the call-up list, which we just saw uh, for the rosters that they're going to play the, over this break? Is there anybody you're looking forward specifically to seeing besides Gio? Well, I, I think that this whole story of Zendayas is pretty interesting. You know, I I'm I think that, that there was some speculation of which way he was going to go. He didn't know really, you know, if that was going to be a situation where um, uh, he ended up, you know, going the Mexican route and, but, you know, and you know, the, the, the controversy behind that, he came out for one game, he played fairly well, stayed out there for 90, wasn't going to play in the second match against Colombia, went back to his club and immediately got hurt. So th- th- that never helps relationships when you're, when you're, when you're trying to, uh, uh, to foster, you know, some cooperation there. So that was, that's a guy that he brings a new element to all of this. He's just a different kind of player. Um, I also want to see Daryl DK. It's been a while, man been a while since we've seen that monster up top and uh i like him i think what we don't remember or we should remember is that he was hurt in a moment where he's being evaluated it was the shoulder i've had the shoulder injury before it it, it messes up your gait you can't go into a tackle strong you can't jump you can't be yourself uh so when, when he had that injury last go around it, maybe it, it it didn't get a real look from from burhalter and that's why he didn't make the team and then the injury, the other injury didn't help either. But yeah, I want to see DK. I, I want to see if if, uh, if if he can get on the end of something uh, and, and and score some goals. But it's a good it, it's a good lineup. It's it you know, I gotta I'm gonna be talking to Tim Ream tomorrow. Um, I'm worried about him on that trip, man. 35 years old, man. It's just a long time to be on a plane, and he's in such great form. But um, I guess the other one will be Joe Scully, and I'm hoping, hoping, hoping. Uh, that Horvath gets uh, gets a game. I know this has got to be a, a kind of a strange reunion for the goalkeepers, but uh, and we'll see Zach Turner tomorrow. But um, it's um, it's going to be an interesting setup. I mean, I, the bigger news, guys, is this uh, Balogun and and is he coming? Is he going? Are we going to get him? What do we have to do to get him? Because that guy changes everything. Um, the other part is I, I was on I was on the horn earlier today with Christian Pulisic's camp. I'll just call it that. Um, he's excited to be back a part of, of this list and and to uh, the timing isn't right though. I mean, it, it sucks, right? He finally gets back and fit. He's going to be able to contribute for Chelsea and immediately has to get on a plane and, and be a part of the national team. And those obligations can sometimes hurt you. I've lived that. There's nothing worse. It, it, it would be nothing worse if Christian Pulisic gets a couple of minutes for Chelsea, goes home and then gets hurt again. Oh my God. I just, I, I'm crossing my fingers that is not going to be the case, but this will be interesting. Um, it's good to see our national team back at it again. Let's transition a little bit. 
Uh, one of the more popular shows just coming back for for season four, I believe, is uh, Ted Lasso uh, on Apple TV, which is, uh, you know, obviously won a ton of awards as well. Uh, have you seen the show? Are you a fan of it? What do you think the perception of it is around U.S. soccer? Does it make us kind of look like dumb American idiots or do you think it has had a positive impact on a lot of Americans around European soccer? Uh, it took me a long time to get talked into seeing it because I thought I had all those preconceived notions about this is just going to be a big joke. They're making fun of Americans. Um, and and, and the, the storyline the is, is great. Um, it, it gives you kind of a, of, of a pretty good look at, at the possibilities of what a locker room looks like. I think some of those storylines are funny. Uh, I have watched the show now. It took me a while to get there, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the next version. Uh, or the next, uh, you know, uh, episodes, because I, I am still in that boat, though. I think this is is really giving uh, a lot of people license to throw more rocks at Americans. Uh, I've spoken to some of my friends who are you know, in the coaching profession uh, here in the States uh, and, uh, and other places, and uh, it's it they don't appreciate it. And they feel it's knocked, knocked uh, the perception. Perception is always going to be a problem, but... Uh, the fact that Jesse Marsh just got got booted out of his job, it didn't work out for Bob Bradley in the EPL, uh, and then this show comes out and everybody wants to wants to to kind of connect the two. Uh, the only thing that's good is that people don't know is that Jesse Marsh is a huge fan of visors. Um, I just hope that none of those pictures come out where they actually show him in that damn white visor because then all hell will break loose. But uh, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. I. I I don't appreciate all the stuff that that comes out and the the, the changing of the perception of an American uh, mentality uh, and just how he doesn't even know what I mean. Some of the funniest lines, guys, are like he goes, "Wait, there's ties." <laughs> My job just got a lot easier. I mean, it's like you know stuff like that. Uh, wanker, uh, they call me wanker. Uh, it it's funny, but it's it's uh, it, it just makes gives us gives people the impression that we're very naive and we're not up to speed with the with the the world's game. Do you ever think that'll change? Like, you think there'll always be that with with Europe? Because I feel like you know, uh, it'll always be second fiddle here to other sports, and I think Europeans will look down on us because of that. Do you think that that has ever a real chance of changing, or, the only, or improving? The only chance we have of changing that narrative is winning. We have to win. That's it. I mean, there was always a famous comment coming out of ESPN that soccer is the sport of the future and always will be. That was their quote. Uh, which was kind of a kind of a smack at us, but I mean, let's face it. I mean, the English are always going to be a bit pompous. I mean, they still think that you know, the, the World Cup's coming home. What, what do you mean it's coming home? It, it was never there in the first place. So just relax. It's it's one of those. Uh, it's 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 one of those. Again, uh, when we're dealing with with our mentality and our culture, uh, and then the I guess the Euro snob, uh, you know, component of we've been doing this a lot longer. We know a hell of a lot more than you do. You're the new uh, you know, the new people at the party, uh, just know your place. The only way we're going to ever get there is to really piss them off and win the world cup. That's, that's the only thing that's, that's ever going to shut them up. You mentioned Balogun, you mentioned Balogun, uh, and, and, you know, recruiting him, he's been linked with, you know, potential moves. Now, do you see that there's a future for him at Arsenal, uh, AC Milan are rumored to be interested. Like, are you seeing him moving on, you know, and, and what's the next step for him club wise? Uh, whereas, you know, as we're recruiting him to hopefully play for us uh, internationally. I, to be honest with you, man, I don't care where he goes. Uh, you know, and there's there's been a lot of uh, a lot of names that have um, uh, have been rumored. Uh, we've seen that this is it's that time of year. Everybody's kind of you know jockeying, positioning for waiting to see where those Champions League places are. 
that's what he's going to say. I deserve a chance at Champions League football. So we won't really know a real number until a real uh, list until the end of the season. And we know uh, where the, where the, uh, where the cards fell with him. Uh, but he's worthy of a big club. And it's a great year he's having. It, it's a phenomenal year. I, I honestly don't care where he goes. I know he's going to want to go somewhere big. I hope he continues to score goals. I just care about him wearing red, white, and blue when we get to 2026 or 2025, to be honest. We need it a little bit sooner than that. And I've said this publicly. I, they got to throw the kitchen sink at him. They got to figure out a way to make him a very rich man. And it doesn't necessarily mean um, that he's going to make money playing for the U.S. national team, but we have to introduce him to some of our sponsors. Uh, and we need to make some commercials. That, that's the way the world works, man. You look at Aaron Rodgers. I mean, look how much money that guy's made. Uh, it was State Farm and, and what I look at look at Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's it's the way we do things in America. I I don't know how how up to speed he is with all that stuff, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if the Federation starts to figure out how to get with his agent and make him a very rich man and make it very clear that this money doesn't happen unless you are an American. All right. Finally, uh, we will throw you into the to fire a bit. What is your favorite underdog in the european soccer schedule it's such weekend. a bad i mean it's crazy right um the premier league slate is not great it's it's not it, the only one that would, would would jump out and you'll love this is everton can everton beat chelsea um they can i i think they can i mean i mean it, it's just it's gonna be ugly it's gonna be sean dice and we're gonna beat you up and no, we don't care um, but the reality of of the way he likes to play is problematic for Chelsea, and and there's not a lot of guys that are in in, in clean form. Uh, so I might go that route. I did look at. Um, I, I know that uh, Southampton's a mess, uh, and, and Tottenham looks like they've had a bounce. But that was something I also looked at. Um, Great pick. So so you're two DJ for two for two so far on our our three leg right. parlay. Right. I gave out I gave out Everton seven one. You think. I would take that. I, I think the other the other messy game is obviously Wolves and Leeds. Um, that's that's tricky because uh, Leeds is in big trouble and and Wolves is actually starting to figure it out. They, they they don't look like the same unit that they were a couple of months ago. Uh, but I, I like that one. I think I think there's a couple of messy games in the Bundesliga too. You got Hoffenheim and Hertha, which is a, just an absolute swing fest. It's like the it's like if you go to a big fight, you know, there's like there's four fights before the, the main event. This is what that's going to feel like. It's just two people just smashing the hell out of each other's face. And, and it's going to get uh, nasty. Uh, we have to see how Frankfurt comes out of, um, uh, out of this fixture, but the, the only one that I would throw out there guys that, that might have relevance and people might call me crazy is I'm liking Leverkusen right now. I'm liking them a lot. And I know we beat up on, on Bayern last time with Gladbach and Gladbach couldn't figure it out after they figured it out. But uh, don't be surprised if that that's a, a high scoring tie. Uh, that's the way I'll, I'll categorize that one. I'm not saying that Leverkusen can beat um, Bayern, but that's a tough trip. You know, it, it, when, when if people that have played in the Bundesliga know uh, what it's like to go to Leverkusen, it's a quaint little place. It's, got a big gray cloud over it and and, and the food sucks but it, you're you, you got to get in get out and if Byron is in the wrong mood uh that could go sideways I see them losing a point there but outside of that I mean the mines Fre uh, Freiburg isn't isn't too sexy and then of course Bochum's got Leipzig after they just got absolutely destroyed um some people might think okay that's good for Bochum 
I actually don't think it's very good for Bochum at, at all. I, I think that's actually a a, um, a bad omen because uh, you know watching them just get 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 railroaded by uh, Holland was was something else. It's probably one of the craziest performances I've ever seen. And Pep's been a part of both of them. The, the two that I I would I would equate to that with the with the five goals, Lewandowski in nine minutes, and now this and taking him out uh, after after sixty minutes. I don't know if you heard his comments. But Holland was all about. Uh, wasn't thinking at all. I I wasn't. I don't. I don't even know what I was thinking. I just. I just kept finding myself in front of the goal, and it was just beat the guy in the long sleeve shirt. I mean, that's that's that was his mentality. They've obviously got the the, the FA Cup as does Manchester United, but um, and that's an interesting one with with Burnley and Man City in the FA Cup company. Yeah, no, it's 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 they they played before too, right? And it's it's one of those deals where I just don't think Burnley's got enough. Uh, I mean, as much of Vincent Company has become one hell of a manager, and what he is doing uh, in the championship is is almost unprecedented. But he's not going to have enough to beat. Uh, he's not going to have enough to beat City. So there really isn't a whole lot on the bone, is there? I mean, I I think the first couple out of the out of the gate sound good to me. I'd love to see Southampton do something cool. Um, but uh, it's it's uh, what did uh, Sir Alex call this? Uh, is this a uh, twitchy bum time, or whatever the hell it was? I mean, yeah, this is squeaky, what, squeaky bum. Squeaky yeah. bum. It's not twitchy. Yeah. Well, maybe it's twitchy. I don't know. Yeah. But it's something. It's it's that time of year where you know you see the teams that are for fighting relegation uh, will literally fight all the way. But I'm rooting for your Everton. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that happens. Aren't we all team of the podcast? Um, all right, great. That wraps up another episode of Wonder Goal. Thank you to Eric Winalda. Thank you to Anthony Debundo. Thank you to BJ Cunningham. And thank you to our sponsors, Bet Three Six Five. We will see you guys again in a fortnight. Uh, Enjoy the football this weekend. Enjoy the footy back in Australia this weekend. And uh, enjoy the international break. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.